Thank you so much for watching this video. I'm Dr. Childs. You can see my picture over here. And today I want to talk to you about this case study. And this is about a patient, and her name is Kathy. You can see her picture here. On the left, you're looking at her before picture, and on the right, you're looking at her after picture. And this is about three months later, three, three months in between these two pictures, um, and roughly about 42 pounds, plus or minus a pound here or there. So what I want to do is walk you through exactly how Kathy was able to lose these 42 pounds um, and what kind of treatment protocol that took, what, ty what type of treatment regimen it takes to do that, okay? And, and I want to spend some time on this uh, to explain it to you guys because it's really important that you understand if you have hypothyroidism and you have a weight problem, you need to address that problem immediately. That means you need to be actively seeking out someone who can help you. The reason is the longer you stay hypothyroid, the longer your body stays in this hypothyroid state, the more difficult it gets later on to lose weight. And that's not because necessarily the thyroid itself, but because of the downstream effects that hypothyroidism causes. All right, it, sends it, it causes your body to develop a number of hormone imbalances that lead to weight gain, they lead to the symptoms that a lot of you are experiencing, like fatigue and weight loss resistance and hair loss and all of these things, and they really kind of go together. But the, the moral of the story is if you, if you have hypothyroidism and you're being treat, treated inadequately, you need to address that ASAP. The longer your body goes in this state, the more difficult it is to lose weight. And the last thing you want to do is try and, and try and deal with this when you are also going through something like menopause. And I, I know this because the, a lot of the patients come and see me around this age, especially women, you know, right around their 40s or 50s when it's like, you know, maybe they were able to lose a little bit of weight in their 30s or 40s. But now, you know, it, it's just almost impossible. So in order to discuss this topic, we really need to talk about why most doctors ignore the problem and then why that makes it so you can't really lose weight and and I, I feel for a lot of you out there because you're really fighting a losing battle okay and and just just tell me if this sounds familiar so let's say you go to your doctor and you're you just don't feel right you know that you don't feel yourself you're fatigued you haven't been able to lose weight all of these symptoms are just stacking on top of each other and you go to your doctor and say what can i do right because that's what you're kind of conditioned to do go to the doctor when you need help and who else can help you in this situation? And now generally what they'll do is they'll tell you, if you want to lose weight, you need to eat less and you need to exercise more, right? That's something that everybody says. And even though intuitively you guys know that it doesn't work because you've tried it probably for the last several decades of your life. And when was the last time eating less and exercising more was led to a sustained period of weight loss? And the answer is probably never, otherwise you wouldn't even be here, right? And then the other thing that happens when you go to doctors is that even like, let's say that you do, you do follow their advice, which hopefully you don't, but if you did, you were eating less and, and you were exercising a ton, they would probably tell you that you're, that you're lying to them. They don't believe you. Okay. And as a result, they think that it's most likely in your head or they want to put you on some sort of antidepressant or something like that. And, and that's generally the story that I hear from a lot of the patients that come in to see me and the sad part is they need to hear this story five, six, seven times before they finally seek the help that they need. And so I, I just want to, to put it out there for you guys. Stop doing that. You're not going to get the help from your fifth or sixth or seventh endocrinologist or your third or fourth or fifth uh, new doctor. If they don't know what they're doing, they're all going to treat the same. Okay, so use this information to give you a better understanding of what it takes to actually achieve the weight loss that I'm talking about that I know that you're seeking, okay? 
Now, the real reason you're unable to lose weight is because focusing on eating less, the, the, this um, calorie in, calorie out model is flawed. It doesn't work. The real reason that you are unable to lose weight is because of your hormones, all right? And specifically, I talk a lot about this on, on my blog, but specifically the three that you really need to focus on are thyroid, insulin, and leptin, okay? Most of you do know that you have a thyroid problem because um, that's generally, I would say, relatively easy to diagnose. Unfortunately, the treatment is a whole other story, um, but most people do know they have hypothyroidism if, if it's present. Um, but the other two tend to be missed, all right? And they're probably more important in terms of weight than the thyroid is. And so the, the sad part is doctors will they'll routinely check for thyroid, but I, I don't know that I would say it's certainly not a common practice to order either, either or both of these, insulin and leptin. Okay, and those, those really contribute the most to weight. So we're going to be talking about how those three hormones fit into Kathy's treatment plan and how it really helped her to lose the weight that we're talking about. Before I go on, yes, I will mention that it, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, and cortisol, they, they do play a role. Don't get me wrong, they do. It's just that they're not quite as important in terms of, of weight loss as these other big three are. Now, if you have... If you can honestly look at your labs and say, I do not have insulin resistance, I do not have leptin resistance, I do not have thyroid resistance, and your cortisol is 30, then yeah, you're, you know, your cortisol is probably the main contributor to, in your body, but that's generally not the case. All right, the other thing worth mentioning is that generally when you fix the thyroid, insulin, and leptin, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, and cortisol, they tend to balance out by themselves, okay, which is a good thing. So we'll talk about these things as we go through here. So the more, most important thing is getting the diagnosis right. If you don't know what you're treating, you won't be able to treat it correctly, all right? And what I wanna do is show you how I diagnose Kathy, um, and then what I'd like you to do, hopefully, is if you have these labs, you can kinda of do some comparison here because it really is the nuances and how, how you look at these labs and the optimal ranges and the reference versus the reference ranges to understand why somebody needs a certain type of thyroid medication. Now, generally what you'll see is doctors will order the TSH. This is basically endocrinology in a nutshell, by the way, in the next 20 seconds. If your TSH is high, give levothyroxine and, until the TSH gets into normal range and then stop tweaking the medication and the patient is considered good, right? Now, many of you are probably in this, this uh, um, that vicious cycle, which does not lead to, to lasting results. If anything, it may cause some weight gain as opposed to weight loss. And so I want to contrast that approach, which is obviously not correct, to the one that I'm going to be taking right now, okay? So look, take a look here. What you're looking at is, is a snapshot of Kathy's thyroid labs, and we'll go over some of these other ones. But look at her TSH. So TSH, the first thing you notice, it's 3.32, okay? Um, and automatically, like let's say I didn't have this, this HPG or the free T3 or the free T4, I wouldn't need to look at anything else. I know right away that Kathy's hypothyroid. Even though, if you look at this, the reference range is 0.35 to 5.5. I don't, I don't necessarily care about that because I use 2 to 2.5 as a TSH. If it's anything greater than that, as a, as a very sensitive cutoff, cutoff for detecting hypothyroidism. And Kathy, in this case, is too high. Um, and, and by my standards, she is hypothyroid. All right. So the reason for that is that there's multiple reasons, but I'll just kind of give you a quick primer right here. Basically, what happens is TSH is secreted from the pituitary, okay, and it's in response to the amount of thyroid that 
thyroid hormone that's that's basically circulating in the body that then touches the pituitary and that's kind of the body's sensor to determine how much is there. Now the interesting thing is the pituitary doesn't have any um, competition with reverse T3 because of the certain deiodinases within that tissue. So basically what the crux of this is that the pituitary is the most sensitive tissue in your body to thyroid hormone. Okay, And if it doesn't have enough, I can almost guarantee that the rest of the tissues who which do have competition with reverse T3 are not getting an adequate amount. And so that's that's the logic on why the TSH can be helpful but shouldn't be used, especially with treatment. Can be used with diagnosis, but shouldn't really be used um, to determine dosing. Now the next thing you'll see on this list is the sex hormone binding globulin. This is a way to, de to it's like a surrogate marker to detect how much either estrogen or thyroid hormone is, is impacting the liver. And in this case, if a woman is postmenopausal or there's no flux in terms of her um, estrogen levels, you can use it as a pretty, pretty good marker to determine is thyroid hormone number one being absorbed, number two being activated and reaching the tissues in the liver. And in this case, she, it isn't. So I can, again, it confirms that her thyroid is low. And then again, look at her free T4. So her, her reference range is 0.95, or I'm sorry, her result is 0.95. The reference range is 0.89 to 1.76. So all, when all said and done, again, just it just shows that her thyroid is low, especially the free T4. So the free T4 acts as a reservoir for the production of free T3 or reverse T3, which you don't want. And in this case, her reservoir is very low, right? So there's not much to, not much to convert, even though she might be a decent converter. Um, her three, her uh, teeth, her free T3 is actually okay. So it looks like she's probably converting okay but there's not a lot of reservoir to convert from, which can be an issue. So moral of the story, she is hypothyroid, but that's, that's probably not what you guys are here, right? Most of you do know that you're hypothyroid. It's the treatment that is the issue, but, but again, we'll go over the rest of these. This is just for completeness. So the second thing is that, that you really need to be looking at is the, um, well, first of all, you need to look at everything, but what was going on in Kathy um, was specifically the hemoglobin A1C and her insulin were both off. So if you look at her hemoglobin A1C, she has a 5.7, it does flag it as impaired fasting tolerance or glucose tolerance because she technically falls within the pre-diabetic range. So automatically, I'm thinking two things. First, thyroid issues. Second, insulin resistance. We know that automatically just based off this hemoglobin A1C. But let's take it one step further and look at her insulin. So Kathy's insulin's 21 in the fasted state. Like that's very, very high. You Really, if you're not having any food, your insulin, or if you're not consuming any food and it's not glucose is not in your bloodstream, there really shouldn't be insulin in the body um, because it, it acts as a growth hormone. It basically takes calories from the from the serum and shoves it in. It opens up the cell so you can shove it in there. And in this case, uh, well, in her body, it was doing that to her fat. So number one, we got thyroid issues. Number two, we've got insulin issues. And number three here, this is a pretty this is this is a quite a high leptin level. But um, this was another thing that got flagged as abnormal. Her serum leptin, which is fasting, by the way, was forty eight point two. So now what we have here is we have a number of markers that are telling me that the signals being sent to her body is one of growth, okay? So all of the things that, all of these hormones that, in the, specifically the leptin and the insulin, what they do is they tell the body to grow, especially the fat cells. So her body is in a state of grow, 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 when in reality, you know, she, or this, this patient, Kathy, and most of you want to be in the exact opposite state, which is to burn, 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 right? When you are losing weight, your body needs to be burning fuel for energy. It needs to be the opposite of growing. And now this is difficult, right? Because all the signals in her body are saying grow, when in reality she wants to burn all these things. So we have a conflict in terms of what the body is doing 
and what the patient really wants, okay? So now what we do is we put these in terms of importance. So remember I said in the beginning, insulin and leptin probably contribute the most to weight and yet are ordered the, you know, not very frequently by many physicians. So she has hypothyroidism, she has insulin resistance, and she has leptin resistance. Pretty obvious. Uh, in addition to those, I did include some of her nutrients here just for completeness sake. Uh, her B12, serum B12 is in the mid-range, which uh, is too low for me. Uh, I like it to be greater than 900 to 1,000. Her vitamin D is 30, and the reference range does give her 30 to 100, but again, I like that to be in the 70 to 80 range. Not going to go into detail on these, um, but I will tell you kind of what we did for her based in, in terms of supplements as we kind of go on here. So I will, give me a second, I will tell you exactly the type of medications that we use for her, um, including hormone supplements, etc., um, and diet, but we need to talk about getting on the right type of thyroid medication and why that will help but isn't the isn't the end-all be-all. So many of you, as I said, know that you have a diagnosis of hypothyroidism. You guys know that. The problem is not knowing. The problem is treating it correctly. And so what I want to point out here is that the majority of people, the majority of hypothyroid patients, especially if they have a weight problem or persistent symptoms despite being on T4, they probably need some form of T3 containing medication um, in addition to the T4 or by itself, okay? Specifically what I'm talking about is natural desiccated thyroid of some sort, so that could be Armour, Nature Thyroid, WP Thyroid, any, any of those, there's a bunch of different types, um, or T3 only, uh, which would be like Lyothyronine, Cytomel, or Sustain Release T3. Now generally what I recommend is either the combination of NDT plus T3, or simply T3 by itself. And very rarely, by the time patients come to me, do they really need to be on T4-only medication. And But yes, I do have a handful. Um, I suspect that probably what's happening is I'm getting a biased uh, sampling of patients, right? If, you, if, if you're not having any issue with weight and you're doing fine on T4, why would you come and see me? But So I'm guessing there's probably more out there than, than um, are reflected in my sampling. But in my patient base, it's something like 60-70% need the combination of NDT plus T3, and then probably 30% or so need T3-only medication. So that is an important point, but switching to the medication will not solve the problem. That's the thing I want to harp on, because most patients out there, and you probably included, and even a lot of doctors, will think that just switching to, from T4 to, to natural nature thyroid or NDT or even add some T3 is enough to cause a 40-pound weight loss or 50-pound weight loss or even 20, and that's really wishful thinking. As I mentioned before, the thyroid doesn't, it, it contributes to the weight gain, but usually because it, it uh, causes imbalances in the insulin and the leptin and the estrogen and progesterone, et cetera, all the other hormones. The problem is when you fix the thyroid, when you replete it with the right type of T3 medication, that helps with the thyroid. It may help increase your energy, may help increase some of the symptoms that you were experiencing from the thyroid, but it doesn't resolve the insulin resistance. It doesn't resolve the leptin. So you're like, well, what's going on in my body? I fixed my thyroid. Why isn't everything else coming? And that leads you down this vicious cycle where a lot of patients just think they need more, 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 more. They think thyroid, more thyroid is the answer. More thyroid hormones is the answer to all my problems. And that's, that's not true either. So don't fall into that trap. Instead, let me show you, let me show you, um, what a treatment plan looks like as we address the main problems of these hormones. And by the way, if you got, if you're interested, I do have some uh, other articles that I that I link to here. So T3 and weight loss, uh, complete guide to nature thyroid and armor thyroid, how to lose weight with armor thyroid, all of these things. So I kind of give you the information that I've learned in treating all of these patients. If if you're interested in those links, 
Um, the next thing that we want to do is we want to talk about the use of temporary medications to balance hormones to help with weight loss. And so a lot of patients, by the time they get to me, they're, you know, they're, they're sick of the conventional approach, which is to throw a pill at every single ill, right? So if you have depression, then you need an antidepressant. If you have low energy, then you need an Adderall or so, something like that. And that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying here is there are certain medications that can actually help reverse the hormone imbalances in your, in your body. The great thing is, once those imbalances are reversed, you don't have to continue taking the medication, okay? And so that, that, sometimes that's difficult to wrap. Um, some patients have difficulty in wrapping their heads around this concept because it's different than what most other physicians use. So if you had diabetes, for instance, and your doctor puts you on metformin, he probably intends for you to be on metformin forever. And I, I, I'm not saying that we need to do it like that. I'm saying there's medications that can be used on the order of four to six months, depending on how bad the imbalance is, just to reverse that process. But once the, once the hormones have been balanced, you know, that's it. Now, thyroid's a different story. I'm not talking about that. I'm specifically talking about insulin and leptin in this, in this category here. So um, if you have questions about other hormone imbalances, like, you know, obviously menopause would be different or low testosterone in a man would be different. So forget that for a second. But what I'm really talking about here is uh, um, leptin and insulin. So specifically what I want to do is talk about uh, the GLP-1 agonists. And these are a class of medications including Bietta, Victoza, Bidurion. I include Simlin in, in here even though it technically isn't a GLP-1 agonist. Um, but really they all kind of do the same thing. And they help, they help with weight loss by reversing insulin and leptin resistance. And I've, I've included some studies here which are pretty nice that help you understand what's going on here. So um, what in these studies have done is they've taken non-diabetic obese women, okay, and they have then treated them with this medication. I, I believe the study I'm showing here is with exenatide, which is um, Bietta, and then Bidurion is a once-a-week dosing of Bietta. But um, anyway, so what they've done is they've taken uh, non-diabetic obese patients, obese women specifically, and they treated them with uh, Bietta, and then they watched how much weight they lost over time. And what they noticed is that there was a certain group of patients that had a huge amount of weight loss within one to two months. And these, these patients were, sub, were classified into the so-called responder group. Then they had another set of patients who responded with some weight loss, but not as, not as um, robust as the, as the first group. And what they did is they tried to figure out why that is. And so one of the things that they found is that the women who tend to lose a lot of weight on this medication have the, these, uh, these things in common. First of all, they're obese, okay? They're non-diabetic. They may have insulin resistance, but not quite diabetes, but they also have extremely high leptin levels. And these medications were, were helpful at losing, uh, helping these patients lose the weight, cut down those leptin levels, and keep it off a significant amount. Like, I believe the study showed just by itself, not with any other therapies, I believe it was 15 pounds or so in, in uh, one or two months. So that by itself is pretty decent weight loss, don't get me wrong. And many of you would probably be ecstatic if you could drop 15 pounds. But I'm looking for more of a robust amount of weight loss in the order of 40, 50, 60 pounds, um, and, and this is the case with Kathy, and that requires more than just the, this medication. But the point is, there are medications out there that can help. Um, so the other thing I should mention is that, uh, you know, you might be chomping at the bit to go get yourself on one of these medications. Uh, well, let me talk about that a little later, but basically the, the problem is that some of these medications are, number one, very expensive, and number two, they're, they're only FDA approved for the use of type 2 diabetes, so many doctors might not be um, willing to prescribe them for you, but I'll, I'll come to this a little bit later. So let me now talk about the treatment plan that puts all this together that allowed Kathy to 
lose those 42 pounds and have a significant improvement in her symptoms. And just to show you what I'm talking about here, so this is just a snapshot. I didn't include all of her labs, but this was just a snapshot of her after insulin and after hemoglobin A1C after about three months. So you can see her fasting insulin drop from, I believe it was 22 up there. Well, let's just go check it out. So her fasting insulin was 21.0, okay. Um, and then three months later, her fasting insulin was 8.4. So that's a significant drop, you know, maybe 60% or, or so. And then her hemoglobin A1C went from 5.7 in the pre-diabetic range to out of the pre-diabetic range only at 5.6. And you might say, well, that's not a big drop. And, and you're right, that's not a big drop yet. Now, what I've noticed is that the hemoglobin A1C tends to move a little more slowly than does insulin. So I like to, I like to monitor progress in terms of the fasting insulin because that, that number uh, moves a little more quickly than does the hemoglobin A1C. But the point is, she lost 42 pounds, insulin was cut by 60%, hemoglobin A1C dropped by 0.1, pulled her out of the pre-diabetic range. This all happened in the three-month period. So can't, can't really argue with, with those, with those uh, results. Now, the question is, how do we do it? Okay, so here, here's where the money shot is. And this is the treatment plan basically that I had her on. So everything that I did, I'll talk about right here. So number one, you remember I told you in the beginning that she had leptin resistance, insulin resistance, and she had hypothyroidism. So naturally we need to treat all three of those issues. Now what I did in her case is I put her on Bieta, which is one of those GLP-1 agonists that I mentioned previously above, um, as a target to the leptin resistance. So we did that. Then the second thing that we did was we, we put her on several hormones. Now, specifically for her, I did a combination of Natrothroid, which is a, a form of natural desiccated thyroid, plus the addition of T3. So I put her on the combo of NDT plus T3. Um, and then the other hormone I put her on that she needed was bioidentical testosterone. And I didn't include the testosterone here, but you just have to take my word that her testosterone was low. And generally, most women, post, if they're postmenopausal, they do have low testosterone as well. And those women who have high insulin generally do as well. So the, basically, we have her on the, the bieta to, to cover the insulin and leptin resistance, but primarily the leptin resistance in this case, and then the Natrothroid T3 combo to treat the thyroid, and then the testosterone bioidentical, um, or the bioidentical testosterone to treat her low T. Um, supplements that we used in this case was vitamin B12, vitamin D3, fish oil, berberine and adrenal support, alpha-lipoic acid, and vitamin K K2. That was specific to her. Um, we had her doing a, a far-infrared sauna and whole body vibration. I had her do an exercise, but the, the crazy thing is I only had her doing 30 minutes of walking every day. It wasn't like I stuck her in the gym for hours and hours and hours. And that's, that's kind of the silly part because lots of people, you know, they, they still have it ingrained in their head no matter what I say that they've got to exercise, they've got to exercise, they've got to exercise. But the majority of my patients lose a significant amount of weight and hardly any of them actually exercise. So it just goes kind of against that. As long as you treat the, the root cause of the problem, the weight will resolve itself. She also happened to have a lot of stress. I didn't talk about that, but I did some mind relaxation, SMT therapy on her. And then her diet. Now, this is another thing that, that patients tend to hyper-focus on because, and I get it, it's because one of, it's one of the few things that they can actually control. But in her case, all I did was a paleo S type of diet and that, with the 80-20 rule. And then, of course, added some, some intermittent fasting because of her insulin levels there on as well. So this, this is it, guys. And what I want you to do is I want you to think about where you're at. So let's say, you know, you're 50, 60 pounds overweight and you want to lose those 50, 60 pounds. Now, compare your treatment to Kathy's, right? It's very simple. So look at your labs, um, look at her labs, and then look at your treatment. Now, I would venture to guess that, that maybe you might be on Natrothroid, right? So maybe, maybe you're on NDT, but the majority of the patients that I see are usually on T4 only. But let's say, let's give you the benefit of the doubt and say that you got a decent doctor that was willing to prescribe NDT, maybe some supplements, and maybe put you on a paleo diet. 
Well, you're still missing all of these other things, right? And so just compare and just, just figure out where, where the holes are in your treatment plan. Now, I'm not saying that you need this exact same treatment as Kathy does. And I, I think that would be a mistake if you take that, um, if, if that's what you get out of this uh, video. Instead, what I would say is if there's similarities to you and your body and your, your labs, then there might be similarities in your treatment. But really what you need is somebody to help guide you to figure that out. The other thing I would leave with you is this. It's not worth wasting your time trying to deal with a doctor who isn't willing to help you or doesn't understand these things or isn't willing to kind of step out or think outside of the box. This is your life we're talking about. You know, it's just, I, I get this question all the time. How can I make my doctor listen to me? Why would you even try? That It's never going to work. I'll just tell you that right now. It's going to lead to a lot of frustration on your part and you're not going to get the results you're looking for anyway. It's just not worth it, guys. So whatever you do, go out and search for somebody that's willing to help you. Do your own research and, and try and figure that out. Or if you're lucky enough to have a doctor who who's maybe doesn't understand this stuff, but so at least willing to entertain newer treatments and look at, you know, look at new labs and things like that, well, then maybe this is sufficient for you. Um, but, the, but the more of the story is you need to be doing something actively to try and find somebody to help you. And then the last thing I want to do, because I've had questions on this, is why did I choose the, the supplements that I chose in her specifically? Now, if you're, if you're with a practitioner who is telling you you need nature thread and some supplements and that's going to fix all your problem, no, probably not. Okay, so, but are supplements helpful? Yeah, they, they're definitely helpful. But they're certainly not the, the end-all be-all. Um, in this case, she needed vitamin B12 because she was deficient. She needed D3 and K2 because she had low, well, she had calcium dysregulation, but she also was vitamin D deficient. So there's no, this isn't, you know, kind of crazy and earth shattering there. Um, but here's, here may be interesting. So I, I specifically put her on berberine and alpha lipoic acid um, because she was having uh, some issues with insulin resistance, and both of these can help with that. Um, krill oil was because when I checked her, her omega-3 to 6 uh, fatty acid ratio, she was in favor of omega-6s, and so I tried to balance that and reduce some inflammation. She also had some inflammatory markers that were up. And then, of course, adrenal support. So she needed that as well. Um, so that's really, you, you can look at the more of the reasons beyond why I chose these, these supplements, but I wanted to show that to you. Now, I want to turn it over to you guys and ask you, do you have any questions about this specific case study? If you do, please leave them in the comments below or um, go to my website and leave it on this blog. What, whatever it is, let me know. Uh, really what I'm trying to do is just help you guys by providing this type of information for you. Um, but again, realize that it, it's less about ordering the right tests and it's more about getting the right treatment, okay? And the treatment generally does depend on how knowledgeable your doctor is. Even if you're as knowledgeable as, as, as I am in terms of these things, and that's not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm just saying um, lots of patients know a ton, but they're for some reason still stuck with providers that are really unwilling to kind of keep pace with them. And if that's you, find someone new to help, okay? Um, now, generally what that means is you probably have to look outside of the insurance model. Um, I know that it, cost may be an issue for some of you, but um, really the, the issue is has nothing to do with the, the cost necessarily. It has to do with the mindset that most of the doctors in the insurance model have. And generally GPs and all endocrinologists, generally they'll all be practicing the same way. And that's why I say it's better to step out of that model for that reason. And that's why many of you may have gone to five, six, seven endocrinologists and you're like, I don't get it, they all treat the same. Well, I, I'll just burst your bubble now. Probably 99.9% .9 of endocrinologists all treat the exact same way because that's how they were trained, okay? So in this case, it's probably better that you find somebody who's more willing to think outside the box. So anyway, 
it was, uh, it was great uh, going over this with you guys. I hope this was very helpful for you guys. Again, just trying to provide as much info as I possibly can. Um, and if you have any questions, leave them, leave them in the comments below, and I'll get back to you guys. Um, and, and otherwise, I hope you guys are able to use this info uh, to the best of your ability and get the results that you're looking for. Thank you.